0: Hello and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Talking Time Lords podcast. This is episode number three, our top five companions. I am, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with you, my companion on this great podcasting adventure, we have Paul Gann. Hello, Jason, and hello, (laughs) Hoovians. You see, the funny thing about this episode is I feel like we've done it before, done it before. Um, (laughs) And in a sense, we have... Except the recorder only caught the first seven minutes of it. Yes. So, you're getting Top 5 Companions Part 2?
1: Mark 2.
0: Mark 2. There we go. Clever. (laughs) We know our Doctor Who stuff. (laughs) Um, that sounded really, really silly. Anyway. (laughs) And I'm not editing it out. Um... (laughs) Oh, goodness. Uh, but today, um, we are doing something very similar to what we did on our last episode, which was our top five Doctors. And But since we're doing our top five companions, we're going to extend the list out a little bit. But before we get there, we had some great uh, listener feedback when we asked everybody who their favorite companion was. Uh, we got quite a bit more than we did on our first episode about the Doctors, so it's great to see that uh, we're getting more... Uh, interaction with you guys on our social media um but without any further ado i'm going to jump right into that on facebook uh charles allen stevens uh says that his favorite companions uh fall like this for human companions it's sarah jane smith but favorite companion overall is K9. affirmative uh caitlin curry says her favorite companion is donna Uh, more of a best friend than a romantic relationship uh, with the doctor was why she picked Donna. Kyle Avery says his favorite companion is Amy Pond, uh, but gave honorable mentions to Wilfred, Craig, and Stormageddon, and his favorite psychotic potato dwarf, Strax. Yes. Uh, (laughs) April Simmons says, overall, she'd have to say River Song. Both good and bad, it makes her interesting and a good match for the doctor. Eric Marshall says his vote may be a bit cheating, but the pawns, both Amy and Rory, uh, to which Corey Large completely agrees. And finally, Chelsea Danielle Taylor simply says her favorite companion is Donna. Um, So thank you, everybody, for those responses. Um, This episode is going to be a little bit longer as far as our lists are concerned than our last episode. Since there are so many companions... We decided to extend it to three Honorable mentions and then our top five Um yes we are just looking for Excuses to talk about more characters And no <laughs> I don't apologize Um So
1: <laughs> It was all Jason's Idea I swear it was it, it, Well
0: <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't uh, Eliminate anybody else from my List and so I was like screw it <laughs> We're just going to have eight of them Um <laughs> um, Which
1: technically means it's our top 8 instead of our top 5 But we're, you know
0: Honorable mentions Top 5 with 3 honorable mentions That's how this works No (laughs) So without any further ado um, (laughs) Paul Who is your first honorable mention? My first
1: honorable mention is Wilfred Mott uh, Bernard Cribbins Tenth Doctor. Uh, he is uh, the grandfather of Donna Noble, mm-hmm. and he is awesome. Yes, <laughs> yes he is. Uh, the reason that I thought that he was a good choice is because uh, he, well, let's just be let's be frank about it. The Doctor, it, it, being over nine hundred years old. Um, you would think would be more grandfatherly uh, type character, and at some points he has been. But uh, Wilfred, actually, he feels like the character that would be the Doctor's father,
2: mm-hmm.
1: even though the Doctor is this ancient, you know, person. Wilfred still has he he comes off as a fatherly character to the doctor right uh and and I really like that dynamic
0: it's a really great dynamic and uh it's always great because you know he's fully supportive of the doctor and Donna going off on their adventures and doing heroic things and hearing all about it when they get home but he never really feels like leaving home he's like yes go do that have fun save the world (laughs) and tell me all about it when you get back so um and then whenever stuff goes down on earth he's you know ready to go with his paintball gun or whatever he's got handy um (laughs) uh you gotta respect
1: anybody that has a paintball gun right
0: yes yes (laughs) and and tries to take on a dalek with it um
1: Shoot for the eye stalk. Shoot for the eye stalk.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, Wilfred is also the man who knocks four times. And yes, I remember everybody, including the doctor, when that happened. You know, it was so great. Everything was going well, and then mm-hmm. everybody went, "Oh, Wilfred." I know that was my response anyway. It was like, oh, Wilfred. Because you couldn't be mad at Wilfred. Nobody can be mad at Wilfred. Yeah. Well, if you can, you're a horrible person. No. Um, you have no heart. <laughs> but it was just one of those things where it's like, oh, Wilfred, why did you have to do that?
1: Yeah. If you don't like Wilfred, you're one of those type of people that kicks puppies. You know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> maybe it won't go that far. But, um <laughs> But no, no Wilfred's a great uh a great pick uh he didn't make my list, but uh he was definitely in contention uh there, so uh, I'm glad you you mentioned him because I get to talk about him now. My list is gonna have relatively few new who companions to be perfectly honest, just to uh, sort of give everybody a heads up um, and I'm gonna kick that off with my first honorable mention uh the woman who the only thing louder than her voice is her clothes. Um, I'm going to say Tegan Jovanka, who traveled with the fourth and fifth doctors, uh, an Australian born flight attendant. <laughs> uh, she ended up getting, going inside the TARDIS cause she thought it was an actual police box, uh, got lost and the doctor took off without realizing she was on board. Uh, Really hated being on the TARDIS at first, grew to love it, and then, uh, at one point she left and came back. Um, I haven't seen those episodes, but I have read about it, uh, so I don't know exactly what to say about those, but it is interesting that she, you know, left for, I think, an episode and then ended up back on the TARDIS, the next storyline, um. But at the end of it all, when she did finally leave the TARDIS, uh, it was after a really horrible, horrible altercation with uh, the Daleks, of course, of all things, and she left the Doctor because it was in London near her time, and she said it had stopped being fun. And uh,
1: that was the encounter with Davros, right?
0: Yes. Yeah. So it was. <clears throat> it was one of those things. That's that episode yeah ultimately it stopped being fun she really did enjoy after after it being a bit turbulent at the beginning uh she really did enjoy traveling with the doctor um but at the end of it all it stopped being fun and that's why she left um she's a loud character for those of you who don't know who she is she's loud and brazen and uh could probably you know curdle milk curdle dairy with her voice um (laughs) but but she's a fun character to me and uh you know she doesn't take take crap from anybody especially the doctor um and so uh that's why uh by the way played by janet fielding i forgot to mention that at the beginning um but that's why she makes my list of honorable honorable mentions i have a tough time saying honorable mentions if i don't take the time to actually enunciate it turns into honorable mentions anyways um, <laughs> did you have anything to say about Tegan before we went on to your next well,
1: I'm not as familiar with her as you are <clears throat> because the be honest with you the majority of the episodes that I've seen with her are the ones that she ends up leaving no <laughs> uh, so uh, because I, I was interested in seeing the episodes with Davros in them gotcha, um, and so I watched those first and uh, they ended up being the ones where she left. And I wasn't sure at first if those were the ones where she left and came back or if they were the ones where she left and didn't come back. And that's what I was asking about earlier.
0: Yeah, no, no, that's that was her final departure. Um, so, yeah. But who is your your next honorable mention? My next honorable mention is Ace. Very nice. Uh,
1: Where as much as Wilfred is like the doctor's father ace is almost like the doctor's uh, adoptive daughter mm-hmm. uh she's she's very uh very much uh, the daughter figure to him uh in the time period when she's with him uh and even more so than his actual daughter um that he had later on the show mm-hmm. uh, he uh, he barely knew her at all uh, even though she was biologically uh, his daughter, right? Um, but Ace, I, th- I find her interesting too because she's so um, uh, she's so ready to just step in there and just take action, and she doesn't back down from a fight. She's always. You know she I think we said before she's she's actually uh more prone to just jump in without even thinking uh sometimes and he has to try to stop her from doing that um right and and you know she she carries she's she doesn't carry explosives in her backpack
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's what she says anyway yeah,
1: that's that's kind of the running joke uh yeah she doesn't carry explosives in her backpack, but she uses them when she needs to, Yes, you know, (laughs) Um, I mean, she, she's the character that took on a Dalek with a baseball bat, you know? Um, (laughs) So she, she's, I find her very entertaining. If, if I had to complain about one thing with that character, I think it would, it would be the the fact that she sometimes calls the doctor, the professor, Uh, (laughs) that, that, I, I've never been able to 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 get past that uh, one little quirk, you know. But other than that, I, I love the character. I think she's great.
0: Oh, yeah, I, I will have much more to say about her later. <laughs> so, uh, without any further ado, I will skip to my second honorable mention, and that being Romana de Uh or Romana for short, uh, played by Mary Tam and Lala Ward, because. Yes. She's a time lady, a time Lord, and she regenerated while travelling with the doctor um travelling with the fourth doctor uh and she made my list because she you know the fact that she's a time lord, a much younger time lord um but a time lord nonetheless puts her on the much equal level with the doc- a much more equal level with the doctor than any of his m- well most of his other companions, and the dynamic of them you know. Being on the same uh, intellectual ground, uh, for the most part, is really interesting because the doctor goes in to explain something, and then she jumps in halfway through and finishes it off, and he just sort of looks at her, very good,
2: and, you know, walks
0: <laughs> <blocks> off. Um <laughs> But uh, she joined the Doctor because she was assigned to him by yes. the uh, the White Guardian to track down the pieces to the key to time. Um, and uh, at the end of that season, after the key to time had been dealt with, was when she regenerated into her second incarnation. Um, and uh, she's a very uh, intelligent person um and I, I know you will have more to say about her later so yes i i, I won't say too much more now because you'll bring up some points that I'll, will remind me that i wanted to say um <laughs> so uh she she left the doctor by staying in e space which is external space whereas our galaxy is in normal space i believe is not is a normal space end space um, because she wanted to avoid returning to Gallifrey. The Time Lords were calling her back, and so she decided to stay behind rather than go home um, because she was having too much fun traveling, and if she went back to Gallifrey, they wouldn't let her leave again. So, uh, but, uh, why don't we get to your final honorable mention and, uh, find out who that is because i don't remember
1: my my third honorable mention is brigadier alistair gordon lethbridge stewart yes. <laughs> played by nicholas courtney um <clears throat> he's best known i think for uh the second and third doctors um he he did have some encounters with some others uh he had brief encounter with the fourth i know um uh but we'll we'll get into some of that a little later. Um he's he's one of my uh honorable mentions because of the fact that I I think that he's so entertaining in his his ability to treat the uh extraordinary as if it is the ordinary. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, you you well, you know, you have these giant Aliens with these large suction cups all over their bodies. Well, that's just an everyday occurrence kind of thing, you know. <laughs> um, uh, he 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 doesn't get bent out of shape about the things that most people would run screaming from. Right. Uh, he, he just treats it as if it's just something that, you know, you would see on a normal Tuesday.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Brigadier is unflappably British. Yes. Um, is is one of my descriptive terms for him. Um, I really do enjoy him, and I will have much more to say on him later. But if you <laughs> want to say anything else now, feel free.
1: I, I just, you know, I like the interactions, too, between him and the Doctor. I like the fact that uh, he keeps the Doctor on point sometimes when the Doctor is kind of off in left field. Um <laughs> you know I, a doctor often left field <laughs> never uh you know i i was bringing it up before um about uh the thing with the coffee you know the the doctor is uh uh doing this examination with this crystal and uh he's you know heavily focused on this thing and uh i think it's the sergeant brings in um uh, you know, a cup of coffee, and the doctor starts talking about how he makes you know the best cup of coffee next to this other person, you know, and he starts telling him how he makes the coffee, and you know the brigadier's like, Oh you know, forget the ruddy coffee, you know and he's just he just let's get back on point, you know. <laughs> so it's it's like you know we we can't talk about anything other than this one subject that we're supposed to be talking about right now, and I don't want to hear about anything else that has to do with anything else, you know. <laughs> uh, you know, but he he's not unkind in the way that he does it. He's just very stern and very uh, you know matter of fact about it, as as, as if to say why am I the only person here that can concentrate on anything, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I, th- I think that's hilarious. <laughs>
0: ah, indeed. No, I... <laughs> oh, I love the Brigadier. Um, my final honorable mention is... Uh, and this is a character that I was surprised at how far down the list he ended up being. Um, But like we said before with our Doctors episode, a lot of these could change... Tomorrow. you know tomorrow um <laughs> so he could end up much higher on my list you know tomorrow or later tonight who knows um but that being canine uh Nine, the uh, tin dog as mickey smith calls him um is a a dog shaped computer um that traveled with the the fourth doctor primarily um voiced by john leeson for the most part there was a couple episodes where somebody else voiced him. Um
1: uh, David Brierley.
0: Thank you. Um but uh, there are different versions of K9. There's K9 Mark 1, K9 Mark 2, and we've seen Mark 3 with David Tennant. Uh and apparently Mark 4 got made uh in I believe it's the Sarah Jane Chronicles or was it K9 and Friends? I don't remember. One of those. Um So who knows, by the time, you know, if we see him again, we might be on, like, K9 Mark 57 or something. Um, (laughs) But the great thing about K9 uh, being a computer is that if he takes damage, uh, they can just repair him and put him back together. Um, But I love K9 because, I mean, for goodness sake, it's the doctor's dog. Uh, The doctor has a dog, and he takes him... You know, on Adventures Through Time and Space. And it's great, because he talks, and he's very smart. Um, and he's always got that trusty little nose laser that can deal with... Uh, <laughs> I
1: always thought that was hilarious.
0: <laughs> deal with unforeseen enemies. Um, affirmative. Yes, affirmative. <laughs> um, he's a very logical and very literal character. Uh, and... But he's also just funny, the way he interacts with the Doctor. So um, it, I would not mind seeing him return. I, I was very happy when uh, the Tenth Doctor ran into Sarah Jane and K-9. Uh, and I recently got to watch that episode on my watch through not too long ago. And It's uh, a good episode. It's a good episode, and I really enjoy it. So I like
1: the way it ends, too.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sarah Jane and Canine walking off into the sunset.
1: Well, I was talking yeah. about the part before that.
0: Well, <laughs> yeah.
1: Bad yes. dog.
0: Bad dog. Affirmative. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny because, and I don't have a specific um, <laughs> example in mind, but occasionally, Canine can give a really snarky response to something Uh, something will be going on and somebody asks for his opinion or you know says canine do this and he'll give like a really snarky response as he goes to do it Um, it's not very often but it happens occasionally uh, enough to keep it things interesting with canine so uh, but did you have anything else you wanted to say about canine?
2: I'll hold my comments until later
0: all right, well, then we are going to jump into our top five now. Who is your number five? My
1: number five is ramana ah. uh i I like her for the reasons that you listed earlier. I also like the fact that um she is not she she's both complimentary and uh, contradictory to the doctor at the same time, if if that's even possible. Uh, they complement each other in that uh, he has all of this life experience and, and all of this knowledge from actually living these events and experiencing these different things and learning how to, to overcome them through different types of technological things and whatnot. And she... Well, she actually scored i think the highest in her uh class at university or whatever yeah uh, and and I think she puts that in his face at one point about how he was somewhere in the middle uh in his graduating and and she was at the top, you know mm-hmm. and he was like but you're 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 not taking into account my experience, you know uh <laughs> and so you know. She she has this, this thing of feeling that she's been put upon uh, by being assigned to him, and he has this feeling of being put upon because she was assigned to him, and he didn't want a companion at that point. He, he literally says, well, why can't it just be me and K-9, you know? And so right. he, he felt like she was forced upon him, and she felt the same. She felt like she had been forced upon him, and they were both kind of crowbarred into this relationship. <laughs> and so it it's very apparent uh, at the beginning that they would both rather be in other places. Yes. Um. But once they start to realize just how much they complement themselves in their differences – uh, almost like the yin and yang type situation. Uh, Mm -hmm. they, they become friends and they, they relationship, uh, begins to grow from there. And I think, and, and I was saying this before the, the incarnation that I, uh, was most familiar with was the second incarnation of Ramana. Um, uh, and I, uh, actually when i was a kid i didn't even know that there was another Ramana. Um, <laughs> i thought that that was the only one but i found out later as an adult when i was, went back and started watching the uh more of the classic episodes that there was a prior incarnation and there is a distinct difference in the way that the first and second incarnations treat the doctor interact with the doctor uh uh, on a friendship level and everything. Um, I think right. the second incarnation uh, comes off very much more like the doctor's little sister um, as yeah. as opposed to uh, the first incarnation. And I, I know some of that has to do with the change in personalities and things like that, that a time Lord goes through um, when they, when they do reincarnate or reincarnate, re regenerate, I should say. Um, and I, I, I have a respect for both of those, uh, but if I had to choose personal preference, I actually I like the personality on the second incarnation a little bit better.
0: Yeah, uh, it's just and, personal opinion. And she, the the second incarnation of Romana, uh, she and the Doctor definitely have a, a much more established uh, mutual respect for each other. Whereas the first incarnation of Romana, they're still feeling each other out. They're still trying to outdo the other. And while you know. The second incarnation still likes to one-up the Doctor. It's on a much more uh, playful basis rather than, well, I'm going to show you sort of idea. Um, I know on certain
1: occasions you actually see her, like, hugged up to his arm while they're walking along and things like that, where you did not see that with the original incarnation.
0: Right. And uh, she's one of the first companions that the Doctor voluntarily, you know, says goodbye and I'll miss you when she leaves. Um because the doctor
1: know. doesn't like goodbyes.
0: The doctor doesn't like goodbyes. Um but she's staying and it's, you know, in a big rush and they've gotta go. And so he's about to dash back off into the TARDIS and he says, Goodbye, Romana, I'll miss you and then dashes inside and you know, it's it's a very interesting thing because you normally don't see the doctor do that <laughs> especially in the new series. Right. Um But yeah. No She's a good pick, and I'm glad we uh, we got to talk about her. But my number five is going all the way back to the second Doctor, um, comp- second Doctor's companion, Jamie McCrimmon, played by Fraser Hines, uh, who is a Highland Scot from the 1700s, who ends up going on the TARDIS, uh, going all the way through time and space, and the future, and alien worlds, and Jamie doesn't really understand, you know, especially earlier on, a lot of what's going on. He just sort of deals with it. Um, He likes to pretend he knows exactly what the doctor's talking about, but um, (laughs) he really has no clue. Uh, But uh, he ends up becoming sort of the the muscle for the doctor's little group at the time. Uh, He he is more than ready to, to... you know engage in a fight or take on a, a difficult task uh especially if it's more manually based rather than uh academically based um but uh you know how can you not enjoy a scottish you know companion in a kilt <laughs> running around time and space um with the doctor i mean he, he's extremely loyal which is another one of his uh you know great uh characteristics Um, that was what I was looking for but um he actually also met the sixth doctor because uh the second doctor and Jamie end up in sort of a crossover episode with the sixth doctor Colin Baker at one point and the current companion of that time uh Perry Brown I still haven't
1: seen that one I want to see that one
0: yeah uh it's an interesting one um but yeah no he so he's met a couple of the doctors um so, uh, I really enjoy Jamie because he's funny and, uh, I mean, he's a guy running around in a kilt in a Scottish accent. I mean, <laughs> that's just kind of, in, you know, cool in and of itself. So, uh, you know, but anyway, uh, he's a really great companion and, and probably the most memorable companion for the second doctor. And
1: he really adds to the comedy of the second doctor as well. They play off of one another. Oh yeah. Um, you were talking about before about the uh the shot in uh the tomb of the cybermen yes uh <laughs> <laughs> oh, here
0: here's here's the setup of the shot um they're about to go into the 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 building where the cybermen have been entombed uh, the 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 not building the I'll just say building Um, where the Cybermen are entombed and the rest of the group has gone ahead of them uh, and they're getting ready to go in. And the doctor reaches to grab Victoria's hand, Victoria being the other companion at the time, uh, but instead grabs Jamie's hand and he's the doctor heads off towards the door and Jamie just sort of goes along. And then the doctor realizes what's going on and they look at each other and throw each other's hands down. Like, what did we just do? You know, don't touch um, me! Don't touch me! <laughs> yes, don't touch me! Don't touch me! You know, before he goes back to uh, to help Victoria. I, I think
1: they both thought that they were holding hands with Victoria at that point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that entire scene, by the way, was improvised. Uh, that was not part of the script. Uh, they they stepped to the side and talked amongst themselves and said, uh, we think this would be funny. We're going to do this on camera. And then the director <laughs> thought it was so funny that he left it in.
0: So. <laughs> and of course, back then they got maybe three takes. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, just because of how expensive it was or how little money they had at the time. There's,
1: so. there's another, another part, I think in the same episode where, um, uh, Victoria says something about that she doesn't feel right in those clothes, and he says something about uh, what you don't like the the length of your skirt, and and she says, well, don't worry about it. Look at Jamie's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Jamie's like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> it's not a skirt, it's a kilt.
0: <laughs> He's very proud of being a Scottish Highlander. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's it's always funny because. They go up against these robots and <laughs> monsters and aliens, and Jamie doesn't care what it is. If it's you know fighting them and he needs to get his hands dirty, he will. So. Well, he's like Braveheart, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> William Wallace is one of his heroes, so um, he does say that. Um, but yeah, so that's that's Jamie. Who's your number four? My Paul?
1: number four is Donna Noble.
0: Oh, very good.
1: Played by Catherine Tate. Um, And one of the things that uh, I find refreshing about her is the fact that uh, in the 10th Doctor, or we'll say the David Tennant's Doctor uh, arc, because, you know, I have my own... Anyway. (laughs) Uh, He is, or she, rather, is the first companion who doesn't want anything from him, other than a friend, mm-hmm. yeah, there there is no pining after him, or anything of that nature. Uh, they are literally best friends. They 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 bounce off of each other like no other uh, companion that he has had in that series to that point. Um, and it is fun and whimsical and funny uh mm-hmm. you know and i i was talking about this before where um he he tells her you know look you know i i don't want a relationship with anybody i just want to mate and she says you want to mate <laughs> no i just want to mate i'm not going to mate with you you know <laughs> and she just gets this uh this irate uh sense about her because uh she's not gra- gathering the fact he's saying i just want a friend she's thinking that he's making a pass at her you know yeah and hey
0: um, mates hey mate, hey, mate.
1: <laughs> oh well, <good>. yeah. <laughs> yeah that you know. that part is absolutely hands down one of the funniest things <laughs> uh uh she she came in in a really strange way um unlike you know other companions she had a one off uh, Christmas special mhm and uh, i didn 't really know how to take her in that in that first episode um, because she is so brazen she is you know she doesn 't worry about getting in somebody 's face uh, you know
0: that <laughs> 's for sure <laughs> and
1: and you know the first couple of of times that I saw her i, I had a little bit of difficulty um i, I guess adjusting to that, but then the more that I watched her in the show, the more she became one of my favorites. Um, and to the point to where, uh, by the end of that, of that, uh, arc as the doctor's companion, uh, she just portrayed so much heart and so much, uh, uh, how do you put it? Inner strength, um, hmm. as, as a companion that, uh, she was hands down, I think, one of the best of all time.
0: Very good, very good. I love Donna Noble. And I will save comment for later. <laughs> 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 but uh before I do that, I'm gonna get to my number four, and that being Ace, uh played by Sophie Aldred, who is a companion to the seventh Doctor, uh, and you mentioned her as one of your honorable mentions. Um but uh, she's a great character because uh, she's you know a, a juvenile delinquent who got you know sent from the eighties to the far future because a time storm generated in her bedroom because she was experimenting with nitroglycerin for her homemade explosives, you know which she does uh, not carry yeah, she, <laughs> no she doesn't carry the, her nitro nine of course not, that would be dangerous um. <laughs> But uh, it's really great because she's obviously very much a tomboy. Uh, She's sort of like the doctor's munitions expert. um, Or explosive expert, I I would say would be a better term for that. But uh, it's funny because the seventh doctor sort of gets back to the whole quandary of, well, I don't want to get my hands dirty. I don't want to, you know, kill people. I don't want to, you know... I don't like weapons, but mm-hmm. if weapons are needed, he says, "Ace, you take care of it," and she does. <laughs> so, um, it, it's really funny because he doesn't personally do it, but he still orchestrates it, which is a weird thing about the Doc, about the Seventh Doctor. Um, an interesting thing about him, which sort of adds to the mystery of why he's, you know, my number two. But, anyways back to ace uh probably you mentioned it earlier, but probably her most uh, defining and memorable moment um of her entire tenure as a companion is the fact that she beat up a Dalek with a baseball bat um
1: she's the only one
0: she's the only one to <laughs> take on a Dalek head on and live um uh, like that uh she <laughs> um, she's fought Daleks and Cybermen and, uh, you know, ended up on top every time. Uh, Thanks. to The doctor's help, of course. But, um, the interesting thing about ACE is the doctor started to explore and probe her very troubled past because she had a very traumatic past as a child, which led to her being the juvenile delinquent who blows things up. Um, because she's acting out, uh, And he starts to, later on, especially in the third season where they're together, really delving into what makes her tick, why she does these things, and he goes back and exposes her to things. Um, and she actually has some very interesting and emotional uh, character development that goes on as she has to confront these things that have, you know, wounded her or hurt her in her past that she's running from. Um... And so she definitely gets a very interesting character development, and by the end of their their final season, because that was where it, the show got, cance- uh, got canceled, um, she was finally getting to the point where she was getting to be okay with her past. Mm-hmm. And I really would have been—I really wanted to see where they were going to take that next, but unfortunately, we never got the chance to do that uh, because of the. Uh, cancellation of the series um now there are a lot a lot of novels uh with the seventh doctor and many of them have ace um and so i'm wondering if some of that character development gets explored a bit more in the novels um i'm kind of hoping to get my hands on some of them to see if that's the case but um as far as ace is concerned uh you know a companion who can beat a Dalek with a baseball bat uh, and makes her own explosives and doesn't take crap from anybody uh, traveling with a doctor is always okay in my book. Um, <laughs> and it, it's sort of a running joke. She calls him the professor and every so often, normally he doesn't respond to it, but every so often it's like he takes a minute and realizes that she's not calling him the doctor and he tries to, to you know, correct her on it. And she goes, you know, No, I'm not the professor. I'm the doctor. Sure, whatever you say. You know, and then next (laughs) scene, it's professor. Um, So...
1: (laughs) She takes after the fourth doctor. (laughs) With
0: Romana. Oh, I forgot to mention that. Okay, quick side tangent back to Romana. One of my favorite interactions between the doctor and Romana is when... They're, they land on the planet, and they're getting ready to go out. And the doctor turns to Romana and says, First, there's a problem with your name. What's wrong with it? It's too long. By the time I called out... Oh, what was your name again? <laughs> Romana Verrackner And I've got that written down, folks. I don't have that memorized. Um, <laughs> and he goes, Right. By the time I called that out, you'd be dead. So I'll call you Romana. I don't like Romana. It's either Romana or Fred. All right, call me Fred. Good, go along, Romana. <laughs> it's it's British humor, folks, and um, I love it. And so he
1: pulls it off so well.
0: <laughs> he does. <laughs> he does. Um, but back to Ace. She's got some great moments too. Um, you know, she's definitely more action oriented uh, than some of the other companions, and is. Uh, of the reason why the seventh doctor's run um, has more explosions than anybody else. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, but yes, I don't love it. I don't
1: like the fact that we don't get to see what happens to her on screen.
0: I know. I know. It's just, uh, I have issues with BBC in the eighties. I've mentioned this before, but um, well, I mean, the next time
1: you see the seventh doctor, she's not with him anymore.
0: Right. So you never we...
1: actually get to see her conclusion.
0: Right. Because we see the Seventh Doctor at the beginning of the the, t- the movie, uh, the Eighth Doctor's movie. But anyway, um, that wraps up our number four. Who is your number three companion?
1: My number three companion is Rory Williams. And I'll have to be honest, um, Donna almost beat him out. Um, but the reason I like Rory so much. Um, and and, it, and let's be honest, he's not one of those that a lot of people would probably pick. He, he's going to be very um, uh, second rate to a lot of people, uh, you know, especially compared to Amy and whatnot. But uh, the reason I like him as much as I do is because of the fact that he had such a dynamic uh character arc in the show he had he he made such a, a distinct change from the first time you see him in the show until the last time you see him in the show he grows so much as a character mm-hmm. um that uh the I mean the first time you see him he he's basically like this little puppy that's following Amy around everywhere and whatever Amy wants Amy gets you know that mm-hmm. kind of thing um he 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 comes off as very beaten down very um uh low self esteem uh whereas amy of course is a little bit more like donna in the way that her personality is she's not she's not donna but she's she's brazen like donna to the point of where donna was brazen, but she wasn't mean. Amy could be very mean at times, um, in her brazenness, I think. Um, and Rory just took it, and, you know, absorbed it, and by the time that he leaves the show, he is very much his own man. He is very much, uh, willing to stand up for himself. He has his self-esteem. He has, uh, this inner strength and and this um uh, uh, boldness that he has obtained throughout the show um to the point of actually being uh, a heroic character uh as opposed to just uh a follower mm-hmm. and and I and I can relate to that in kind of my own life because I have had some of the same uh, uh, journey in my own life. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why I relate so well to that character.
0: Cool. Yeah. Rory is somebody, and I mentioned this before in regards to the 11th doctor last episode, uh, just due to the speed I was watching those episodes to get caught up for the 50th anniversary. Uh, I didn't have time to really digest Matt Smith and Amy and Rory um, you know until we got to you know the very end there Um, and so he's somebody that I'm not overly familiar with um, you know uh, as far as details are are concerned Uh, but what I do remember of him um, and and, and I could be you know totally off base here you know he's very I liked him for the most part, but one of the the things that bugged me, especially earlier on, is he'd have an episode where he had a great character moment, he really grew a lot, and then the next episode he was back to being a bit of a puppy, uh, as you you put it. And that was the one thing that kind of annoyed me with the character, because Mm -hmm. I thought he could have been a really great character, um, and I was really enjoying when he was able to step up and he was able to grow, um... But when he'd, you know, grow and then backtrack. Um, and it happened repeatedly with different things. You know, sometimes it was, you know, just his own self-confidence. Other times it was, well, you know, Amy's obviously choosing the Doctor over me. You know, even after they got married. You know, it, you know, one of those things. It was... I felt like they kept the writers... in, And I wasn't so much frustrated at the character as I was the writers. And I felt like the writers kept, you know... Playing with Rory as if he was a yo-yo, uh, right? They you know, kept going up and down and up and down this this line, and if they had kept it more stable, I think I would have remembered him in, in a more positive light. Not to say I don't like him because I do, but that's just the mo- the thing that sticks out to me most in my mind as I come back around to getting to being able to see those episodes again in my well, watch through. And so. to
1: be fair, though. Uh... I, and I agree with what you're saying, uh, but to be fair, too, if you're looking at real life, sometimes those things can happen to people in real life as well. You know, they'll they'll make mm-hmm. you know, strides forward, and then they'll backtrack a little, and then they'll make more strides forward, and then they'll backtrack a little. And uh, so, you know, I, I guess I was a little bit more forgiving because mm-hmm. I have been through some of that myself, and I've done some of that myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Um, You know, at the end of it, uh, he went, at least in my point of view, he went from someone who uh, was so codependent on Amy that he almost couldn't function without her to being someone who didn't need her, but chose to want to have her, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, it makes perfect Um, sense. Um, And and – I agree with you for the most part. It's just the writers seem to, you know, whatever whim they wanted, whatever relationship angst they wanted to throw in, uh, Rory always seemed to get the short end of the stick uh, you know, for the TARDIS crew there. Um, if they wanted to add some more angst in there um, between the companions and the Doctor, Rory ended up being the one that, you know suffered from a writing perspective and, in my opinion and
1: part of that could also be because of the fact that they felt like they were taking some of the uh, light off of Amy and they didn't want to do that either
0: you know right, right. Um,
1: but and, and let's not forget this he is the doctor's father-in-law so. yeah <laughs> it is, that's a little weird
0: it's a little weird um, but yes it is true <laughs> the doctor ends up being related to amy and rory yes um uh, through marriage yes. to river Song, yes which is a whole other ball of wax but
1: melody pond
0: <laughs> yes melody pond um <laughs> uh, but i suppose that brings us to my number three uh which is donna noble uh i absolutely love donna um she was almost my number 3 so uh, she's she is great and as you said before she was a breath of fresh air with you know just wanting to be on that friendship level that really good friend level with the doctor rather than uh you know being his romantic companion or wanting to be his romantic right. companion um not to say that, that rose and and martha didn't have great moments because they're great companions and i like them a lot um but it just when you have companion after companion wanting the same type of thing from the doctor, it gets a little old, and so just having the the difference with Donna really attracted me to her at first um not to mention I found her hysterical oh yeah um, the the first episode where she comes back uh and they're both you know sneaking around the office building, finding out what's going on with the adipose. Oh, I love that. And and they <laughs> see each other for the first time. She's peeking through the window of the door and he's on the, you know, the the window washer lift outside peeking in. And they see each other from across the room and they have this silent conversation and it's hysterical. <laughs> and it's only at the end of it that they realize that the villain has stopped talking <laughs> to the person that they've got captured and is watching what's going on. Um <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's absolutely hilarious.
0: <laughs> it's one of it's still one of, you know, it's the basically their first reinteraction, um and it's still one of my favorites. And I love it because, you know, the doctor says these things that he thinks are witty or clever or, you know, impactful and she's like, What are you saying? She she brings <laughs> a sense of reality to the doctor's theatricality. Um <laughs> you know even in that that episode I'm, I you know with the adipose uh, she's hanging off the the roof there by the the cable and the doctor's like hang on and she's like i am you know <laughs> you know it's like you know of course i am what, what, what do you think i'm doing um you know and of course oi you know <laughs> oi i love it because you know she's while well my initial attraction to the character was that she's funny um, and she doesn't take crap from people. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was my initial attraction to the character. By the end of it, it was one of those things where I really enjoyed her because she was just somebody who wanted to be somebody. She was a character that wanted to, you know, have meaning in her life and wanted to do something important. Um, You know, because her normal life as as a temp wasn't fulfilling and wasn't really... Something that mattered. Uh especially after the the guy that she met as a temp um ended up trying to, you know, yeah. help a giant spider take over the world. Um, <laughs> oh, um but she wanted to have that greater meaning, that greater purpose. And so when when she left the show the way she did, uh, you know, with having to have her mind you know her her memory erased erased <laughs> um so that she you know couldn't remember being the doctor donna and right. she couldn't remember any of the adventures in order to save her life she was almost ready to just die instead of having that taken away from her um and i think if the decision had been hers she would have done that she would have rather you know Burned out, then then continue on. You know, as a nobody again is you know that's how she would have seen it, and which made it even more tragic because the doctor had to do this to a, a really great friend, um, and it is still my saddest goodbye of all time. You know, I know people love you know, burst into tears with Rose saying goodbye and with Amy and Rory being taken by the weeping angels, um, but to me, Donna's departure. Is the one that really hurts, uh, because she can't remember this, and she doesn't have anything to to look back on with fondness. And i I've always I always hope that there's some way he can save her life and restore her memory at the same time, just to give that little piece back to her. Because while the 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 universe may remember Donna Noble, she doesn't remember that she's seen the universe. I would love to see
1: her come back and be opposite uh, Peter Capaldi.
0: I I, I think
1: that the two of them uh, grouped together would be something interesting to see. For sure.
0: Oh, definitely. Um, Especially the way that
1: he's been playing the Doctor recently.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to imagine that. I do remember a meme going around that had a picture of Donna and a picture of Eccleston as the ninth doctor and said, can you imagine what would happen if, you know, they traveled (laughs) together, they would spend the entire episode sassing each other and wouldn't do anything. Um, and I was like, that's (laughs) probably pretty accurate. Um,
1: the fourth doctor and Romano one with on steroids, basically.
0: (laughs) No kidding. No kidding. Um, but yeah, no, I, I love Donna Noble. I love Donna Noble. Um, And that's why she's my number three. But we're moving along. Who's your second favorite companion of all time?
1: My second favorite companion is Sarah Jane Smith. Oh, excellent. Yes. uh, She is by far, uh, and I mentioned this before, she is like the the Lois Lane of Doctor Who. Uh and when yeah. I s when I say Lois Lane of Doctor Who, I don't mean the original incarnation of Lois Lane from back in the forties or whatever, with a damsel in distress and the whole nine yards. I mean the modern day version of Lois Lane. She she's feisty, she gets in there, she digs and finds information, she doesn't run from from uh adversity. Uh she's just tenacious. Mm-hmm. And uh I really I you know I think she is uh almost the quintessential uh companion for the doctor. Uh mm-hmm. she 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 was she was uh the the strong uh female uh a character before they emphasized strong female characters. Right. Uh, eh. You know, she she was that before uh anybody else was doing that. Right.
0: No, definitely. Definitely. I have a lot to say about Sarah Jane, but <laughs> I'm going to uh hold that off on that until just a little bit later. So uh did you have anything else you wanted to say about her now or are you just gonna wait? I'll
1: wait. <laughs>
0: okay. All right. Well, uh, that brings us to my second favorite companion, and uh, he has already been mentioned by uh, you, Paul, earlier, and that is Brigadier Alistair Gordon Um, (laughs) Lethbridge-Stewart. I absolutely love the Brigadier, and I wish that the actor, Nicholas Courtney, was still around because I would love to see him show back up again. Um, Obviously, the actor has since passed, and... uh, they have written into the show that the Brigadier has passed, um, but his daughter is now running UNIT. Um, but yes, the Brigadier uh, is the the you know military leader of UNIT. Uh, back in the classic series, UNIT stood for United Nations uh, Intelligence Task Force. Now it stands for Unified Intelligence Task Force. Uh, slight name change, but you know, uh, whatever. Um, and uh, the brigadier is primarily, as you said, uh, you know, associated with the second and third Doctor, third Doctor, you know, for the most part, because the Doctor was trapped on Earth and worked for UNIT at the time. Um, <laughs> but he has interacted with the uh, fourth, fifth, and seventh Doctors as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, his interaction with the seventh Doctor is one of my favorite. Sylvester McCoy episodes or uh, storylines those are
1: the ones uh, i've not seen yet so uh, those. yes i
0: ha- i haven't i have not seen the episode where he uh, meets back up with the fifth doctor uh yet um but that's that's on my list of my <laughs> list of holes to fill in my my doctor who watching schedule um but you know the brigadier has faced down villains of all sorts from you know intergalactic thugs to universe shattering demigods basically um and he does it in you know as i said before that very unflappably british manner where it just doesn't seem to phase him and the only thing that gets under his skin is the doctor um <laughs> um but i've i've noticed that yeah Yes, the only thing that gets under his skin is the Doctor. Um, that seems to be and, the only thing that
1: frustrates him at all.
0: Yes, and occasionally incompetent uh, sergeants. Um, <laughs> um, but but he's a character that, you know, he's very rarely been on the TARDIS. The Doctor keeps coming back to the Brigadier, which is an interesting thing. Um, I think the Brigadier is bored of the TARDIS maybe twice, two or three times. Um, in his entire tenure on the show Um, but the doctor considers him to be one of his best friends Mm -hmm. Uh, you know a a true a true friend over you know time and space because he keeps coming back and he really values his opinion but the interesting thing is especially early on uh, they would sometimes differ very much on how a situation was supposed to be dealt with the brigadier obviously the very much very much the military man and sometimes he felt very strongly that they had to take a militaristic approach to the situation where the doctor did not you know and so they would clash sometimes and it would be very interesting because uh there was a point during the third doctor's tenure where they were a bit you know walking on eggshells around each other because they had you know offended each other over a situation and I won't spoil that for anybody, but, uh, they did end up making up and, uh, you know, becoming friends again. Uh, but it was just an interesting thing that, you know, even though they've disagreed on, you know, how to deal with situations, the fact that they still remain good friends and the doctor really trusts and values the Brigadier's opinion on things, um, is, you know, a testament to that relationship there uh and it's also interesting because sometimes you know if the doctor is forced with a difficult decision that he has to make and doesn't want to make it the brigadier will take it out of his hands and do and make the decision for him to you know if the doctor doesn't Mm -hmm. want to do things on moral grounds uh the brigadier will make that difficult decision because it's his duty you know and take that out of the doctor's hands and i think the doctor really appreciates... uh, really appreciates those gestures. Um,
1: That was actually sort of what happened uh, in the send-off that they gave him in the latest uh, season that we saw.
0: Mm. Yes. With the cyber brigadier. (laughs) Yes. And I still don't know how to take the cyber brigadier. (laughs) Because... (laughs) What he does is totally the brigadier character, but the fact that that he's a cyberman cyberman that i i don't i just don't know i i have a very i won't say love hate but um I am of two minds when it comes to <laughs> to that sort of inclusion <laughs> of the brigadier because he is such a dear character to me um it was just very odd and very uh, difficult to see the brigadier as a cyberman even though he's you know totally doing things the brigadier would do um it was just a very interesting and weird thing i thought it was an interesting send off though and and it was... the and the, the the fact that they
1: did that one last time they they let him do something that the doctor ne- couldn't necessarily do himself mm-hmm. uh, i thought that was kind of a, yes. a nice little send off too
0: Yes, indeed, and uh, he he does that uh, again in the seventh Doctor episode. Um, so whenever you get that you get around yeah. to watching that, uh, you will you will see that <laughs> uh, as a repeating theme uh, with the Brigadier. But uh, enough about the Brigadier. Let's move into your number one companion of all time. Paul. <laughs> wow us, wow us with the. Favorite companion of Paul Gann?
1: I I think you can guess which one this is.
0: (laughs) I can. I can. Um, Can I guess this? Yes. Affirmative. (laughs) K9
1: is my all time favorite. Uh, He is the one that I have uh, wanted to see back on the show ever since I was eight years old. Um yeah I just think that he's he's absolutely uh one of the most charming characters that they've ever come up with um I think that he is his dynamic with the doctor is not only uh uh heartwarming in the fact that the the doctor is able to be friends with the machine uh you know he is an artificial intelligence uh but the fact that. Their their interaction is so quirky and so funny, and mm. and and they're they don't pull punches with it. You know, they they let uh well the the interaction is all, almost like uh, C three PO and R two D two in Star mm. Star Wars. You know, yeah, they play off of one another that way. And I, I believe i would said this before that I sometimes I look at there being parallels between K-9 and Doctor Who and R2-D2 and Star Wars in the fact that they're both extremely loyal uh, mm-hmm. they both uh, have uh, a very definite personality, a very distinct uh, uh, humanity about them, but they don't necessarily express it outwardly in the same right. way that, that we would as as humans um, so even though there's s- definitely a personality behind K-9, the fact that he is so subdued in the way that he expresses that I think is very interesting at the same time
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, because it's one of those less is more type situations. Uh, yeah. he He expresses so much more in the little bit of expression that he puts
0: out there. Wagging his antenna tail and wiggling (laughs) his sensor ears. Um, And and sometimes he doesn't adjust just the right moment. And and, and, and
1: he he comes off like he's poking fun sometimes at the doctor without without actually poking fun, you know. Right,
0: (laughs) right. No, it's, it's great because he has these moments where he totally denies that he is sentient at all. Because he is a machine. He is not programmed, uh, you know, with emotions <laughs> or whatever. But then he'll say something or he'll do something that is totally motivated out of, you know, a- an emotional or, you know, affectionate sort of right. motivation. And then completely denies it later. You know, completely acts like he has no idea what the doctor is talking about when they try and call him on it. You know, Um it's really funny. I don't have a specific instance in mind, uh, but it's that's something that, that appears periodically. Um, although one of my favorite moments, uh, favorite things that K-9 has said um, is the doctor is doing something with the TARDIS and he's fixed it or whatever. And he goes, oh, it's a piece of cake. And the doctor <laughs> and, and, and K-9 goes, piece of cake and proceeds to give the... <laughs> <laughs> confectionary description as to what that is. And the doctor goes, no, 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 no piece of cake. It's a metaphor. And he explains what the metaphor means. And canine sort of acknowledges by wiggling his ears. And then later on in that episode, uh, I believe Romana is the companion at that time. Um, or maybe it's Leela. It might be Leela. Um, they're going out and canine and Leela go off somewhere to accomplish a task for the doctor. And, uh, Lilo says something like do you think you're ready for this K9 and K9 goes piece of cake and <laughs> <laughs> so he's filed it away <laughs> the proper use for the piece of cake metaphor and he uses it again later on in the storyline so um...
1: and and also like the the scene that we were talking about before with the the uh the new series where he comes back uh with the tenant doctor um when when you get to that scene at the end where the villain looks at him and he says, bad dog, and you hear him say, affirmative, he, he says it with this inflection in his voice that, you know, he, he, he says it in such a way so that. In the back of your mind, you get this impression that he's sitting there with this impish little grin on his face, like like he's thinking to himself, "I'm about to mess you up, buddy," you know. Yep. <laughs> yep. I just that that literally made me just laugh out loud. I mean.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, I love it. Bad dog. Affirmative. <laughs>
1: It, just that little bit of inflection in the voice, you know, just, just,
0: oh, it was great. It was great. <laughs> One other little tiny tidbit about K-9 that I always liked is the fact that his collar is basically a mini version of the fourth doctor's scarf. Um, it's a, it's the same sort of oh, yeah, pattern. I
1: love that. It's, it's, it's perfect.
0: It's great. It's great. Um,
1: and I'll be honest with you, he's probably the number one character that I would love to see come back in the show.
0: He'd be one of the easiest to bring back, because, you know, the Doctor could just get a hankering to have, you know, K-9 around again, and he could build, you know, like I said, Mark 57 or whatever. As, know, as, as long
1: as they bring him back in a in a way that's recognizable. Uh, they, they put out a show after the Sarah Jane show um, that... Completely reimagined what he looked like. He he wasn't. He he almost was unrecognizable as a character. And you know, I understand they were trying to make him more modern for kids or whatever. I get that, but you know, the, to make him almost unrecognizable to me took something away from the character. It gave it a cheesiness that it didn't have before.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, um,
1: and let's be honest, one of the most charming things about doctor who is the fact that it has a little bit of a cheese factor anyway yeah um, but this was like a whole nother level of cheesiness you know to the fact to the point where i i, I was like well i'll check this out to see what it is and i was like I, I don't think i want to watch any more than this first episode i think i'm good you know um
0: oozing with cheese yeah
1: and uh so you know if they brought him back i would love to see them bring him back in a way that still left him as as a recognizable character. Um, mm. So I think it, one of the things that I would love to see right now uh, is to see the Capaldi's doctor with Donna and, K- and K-9 <laughs> all together. <laughs> I think that would be so amazing.
0: That would be funny. That would be cool. <laughs> Although I do think Capaldi is a bit more of a cat- person than a dog person. Um,
1: (laughs) Which might make it even better.
0: (laughs) (laughs) True. True. Alright, well I'm gonna, I guess that just leaves my number one. Um, Who could it be? If you're paying attention you already know. Um, But my number one companion of all time uh, is Sarah Jane Smith. By far, she she set the bar of what a companion is in Doctor Who. Um, she's you know uh, primarily associated with the third and fourth Doctor, although she's met several of the other Doctors um, through various specials or you know crossover events like you know with the tenth Doctor um, or the the five Doctors twentieth yes. anniversary special. Um, so she's met many of the doctors um, played by Elizabeth Sladen who sadly is no longer with us Um, I believe it was cancer that took her which was very sounds right uh, very you know difficult to to take but um, back to why I really really enjoyed Sarah Jane Smith Uh, she was a journalist a very feisty you know self-motivated, very driven journalist who was after a story, and in her very first episode, she gets involved with the Doctor, and initially, because he's doing a lot of things, you know, sort of outside the boundaries, uh, she thinks he's the bad guy. Um, Of course, you know, she has to, she ends up figuring it out, you know, in relatively quick fashion uh, that he's not the villain, um, but, uh it was just an interesting situation to see her pitted against the doctor for a brief moment um, but <laughs> but she was definitely uh you know a character who didn't need the doctor to protect her uh She wanted to go traveling she wanted to see all these amazing things and go all these amazing places. Uh, but as the doctor would be investigating one thing over the here over here, Sarah would go off and investigate something else or she'd go talk to people and try and get more information more context for the situation that's the journalist side coming out because she was you know always after the story always trying to figure out what made the situation work um and which is one reason why we get the whole notion of well, the companion wanders off and the doctor has to go rescue uh the companion but you know sometimes you know Sarah Jane would go wander off, and then she'd end up finding the doctor and have to rescue him. So uh, (laughs) it it worked out. Um, But she was definitely somebody who didn't need the doctor to constantly be her protector. She was definitely on a much more friend level with him. And in one episode with the fourth doctor, he calls her his best friend. um, Which... Is, is how I will forever see Sarah Jane Smith as the doctor's best friend. Um, you know, probably even a little bit more so than Donna was. Um, although Donna probably reminded the tenant doctor of Sarah Jane. Um, but she <laughs> she's great because, you know, in a time, you know, back when she first came on the scene, it was the early 70s. In the time frame of television, not many female characters were as independent and self-reliant as she was. Um, the previous companion had been a little bit had been a step in that direction, uh, Joe Grant, but uh, Sarah Jane definitely took it to the level that most audiences would recognize as a self-reliant you know strong female character and there's one particular episode with the third doctor where she's dealing with a a princess who had been forced to take control of a planet due to her father's untimely death but she the princess is not feeling like she's really in control because you know what can i do i'm only a girl right and sarah jane and sarah jane stands up you know and says, excuse me, your highness, there's nothing only about being a girl. So the doctor <laughs> sort of smiles and says he's going to go investigate something else and leaves uh, <laughs> the princess in Sarah Jane's capable hands, as Sarah Jane explains to her, women's lib, as they called it. Um <laughs> But I, I always thought that was a really great line, you know, excuse me, there's nothing only about being a girl, and I, you know, I, I sort of see that there's there's nothing only about being a human, so uh, I like to extrapolate that. But she's just one of those characters, feisty, funny, you know, always ready to, to jump in the deep end, basically, with the Doctor, um, and I really, really enjoyed it when she came back uh, with David Tennant, um, and, you know...
1: It, it almost really wish, It almost really felt wish. like that they, with Tennant's doctor, it almost felt like that there that, that there had been no time pass. Yeah. The, the 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 dynamic between them had not changed, which is interesting considering that he was a completely different doctor.
0: Right, uh, she made that much of an impact on him that his feelings and thoughts towards her hadn't changed over you know half a dozen regenerations or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. So, and I really wish, you know, obviously it can't, but I, I really wish that we still had Elizabeth Sladen around so that she could still pop up every now and then. Um, That would, that would always, you know, put a smile on my face, obviously, since, since uh, she is my number one favorite companion. So... Do you have anything yeah, she, else you wanted to say will, about Sarah Jane? She
1: will definitely be missed. Uh well, you know, you were talking about um uh the uh feistiness and and the the uh strong female lead basically. Um I would say that even though there had been uh some moving in that direction with uh previous companions, she is the first one that did not feel dominated by the Doctor.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, I would, yeah. Because
1: the Doctor doctor can be a very dominant character. And she was not in any way dominated by him. Oh, yeah. She even knew how to manipulate him into doing what she wanted on occasion.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, uh, she would... (laughs) She had this knack for, for convincing the doctor <laughs> to do the things that she wanted. So, um, and not not in a womanly wiles sort of no. way, because that was not part of their relationship at all. Um, so, but, uh, I love her. I love her as a companion, and I, you know, like I said, I always wish that there was a way that she, that she could come back. But, um,. I think that that concludes our list of favorite companions, at least for today. Um, Cause this could change. <laughs> this could change tomorrow. Um, but uh, any other final thoughts you wanted to say on companions in general before we well, start?
1: I, I didn't bring this up the previous time we recorded this, but I'm actually kind of surprised that neither one of us had uh captain Jack Harkness on our list at any point. <laughs> Uh, because he, he is such a dynamic character, you know,
0: he's he's such a dynamic character, but he's, I think the fact that he comes in and out, um, Mm -hmm. and he's not there for, you know, extended periods of time, uh, causes at least me to sometimes forget, oh yeah, he's a companion, you know, and not just somebody that they run into every once in a while, um, Although you could say that about the Brigadier, too, but the Brigadier is more established and right. has a lot more screen time than Captain Jack. Um,
1: they have had a news article come out here lately uh, saying that they're not opposed to uh, Captain Jack or River Song making a reappearance on the show in future seasons.
0: So, I was never one to think that River Song's story was ended. I thought we had at least one more. Um, I think it'd be nice to see that. Mm-hmm. And Captain Jack, like I said, he's just someone that pops in and out, and so he's definitely a character that could easily come back, almost as easily as K Nine. You know, well, <laughs> if it weren't for the if it weren't for the fact that the Doctor just has to, you know, go to the back room and bring it, you know, build a, you know, new version of K Nine. Uh, you know, Jack could be. One of the easiest characters to bring If you back. go by
1: canon, uh, we actually saw him before we even knew we saw him. Uh, yes.
0: Yeah. That's the the uh, face of The Bo. face of Bo. <laughs>
1: yes. Uh, I think it would be interesting to see the storyline in, in which he makes that transformation uh, into the face ooh. of Bo. That would be interesting. Yes. That would be cool. I'd like to see that. that.
0: All right, well, whew, well, that wraps up our list. Uh, that was fun. Um, I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, even recording it the second time, um, I do just want to let everybody know uh, that we would really appreciate it if you would uh, leave us uh, reviews or ratings on iTunes. Please, it definitely, it definitely helps us, uh, you know, get seen and move up the list. Uh, being a new podcast I, we're not very high on that at all when you search for Doctor Who and click podcast um, so if you don't mind taking just a couple minutes leave us a rating and review we'd really appreciate that um, also uh, if you want to get in contact with us or you know join us on our discussions on our Facebook page and stuff go ahead and uh, like our Facebook page which is facebook.com slash Lords. you can follow us on Twitter at at Talking Time Lord, uh, or you can email us an episode suggestion or anything else at Talking Time Lords at gmail.com. And all of that can be found on our website, www.TalkingTimeLords.com Uh We are part of the uh, Thunder Quack Podcast Network of Podcasts, which is a, a lot of fun, geeky, re- geek related podcasts. So if you have the time, go check them out, uh, thunderquack.com. And if you like those podcasts and you want to support it, uh, you can check out the Patreon for Thunderclack, which is patreon.com slash Thunderclack. And that will help us as well. Yes, that would help us as well. So um, any final thoughts before we wrap this episode up, Paul?
1: Um, Just going to give everybody a little bit of a heads up. We will uh, very shortly begin uh, some of our review episodes. On some of the classic episodes of Doctor Who. And um, we will be giving updates about what those episodes might be on our Facebook and Twitter.
0: Yes. Um, We're going to be doing this in a little bit of a different sort of format Um, as far as our reviews are concerned. We are basically picking a villain, uh, a recurring villain, and we're going to be doing... uh, all the episodes with that villain in them. Uh, And then we will be moving on to another villain uh, so that we can get as many variations um, and different looks at the doctors without getting stuck doing uh, all of one doctor, then the next doctor Uh, sort of spice things up and keep things interesting. So um, that's how we're going to be doing this. We will announce on our next show, uh, which villain we will be starting with, and we'll uh, let you guys know in enough time so that you can go check out the episodes if you want to, uh, you know, know what we're doing before. And
1: if you so, need to, uh, help finding some of those episodes, you can contact us on social media, and we can help you with that as well.
0: Yes, especially the classic episodes. But uh, I think that wraps up this episode of Talking Time Lords. Yes, sir. It's been episode number three. Top 5 Companions Uh, for Paul. I'm Jason. Thank you so much for listening and until next time... May
1: you hope far-flung hopes and dream impossible dreams.
0: (laughs) Thanks, guys.